Hello, and welcome to the Renew Your Thinking podcast series. In a world filled with many different viewpoints and opinions, these podcasts will examine issues, current events, historical events, and cultural movements, all in the light of God's Word. Our goal is to help you as you seek to love and serve God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. In this first series of stories, we will study about some significant historical figures. In the next nine podcasts, we'll talk about women in the Old Testament, specifically the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, there was a long line of women who came before Jesus in his family tree. But we'll focus on the stories of the women who are named in the Bible, starting with Eve, then Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, and we will finish the series with Jesus' mother, Mary. While telling these women's stories, we'll be taking a trip through the Old Testament. We will see how they fit into God's plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. Each woman's story is unique and interesting. What they share in common, besides being ancestors of Jesus, is that they were all faithful women. We'll always read the stories directly from the scriptures to avoid confusion and misinformation. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible for those who are following along. We have been studying about the women who were the ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. So far, we have talked about Eve, Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. The eighth foremother of Jesus named in the Bible was Bathsheba. Bathsheba is one of many women in the scriptures who have at times been misunderstood or portrayed badly by scholars. We have already seen how the Jewish leaders have portrayed Tamar as a prostitute even though she wasn't one. That is why it is so important to read the Bible and see what it really says about these women. Hollywood likes to portray Bathsheba as a temptress. It sells more movies, but their version is not the same as the Bible's. I contend that Bathsheba had no choice when King David had his men bring her to his palace. As a vassal and a woman, she was not allowed to refuse the king. Some commentators want to cast Bathsheba as a seductress and blame her for David's sin. But the Bible does not describe Bathsheba that way. In our story this week, we will see that God has compassion on his weaker vessels. Bathsheba was comforted in her mourning. And then, miraculously, God even raised Bathsheba from the depths of sorrow to the heights of joy as she had another son. Her son would be the next king of Israel. Let's review the background of Bathsheba. We know very little about Bathsheba's early life. Bathsheba's father was Eliam, also known as Amiel from 1 Chronicles 3.5. He was ranked as one of David's 37 mighty men, which you can read about in 2 Samuel 23.4. As such, Eliam would have been a frequent guest at David's palace. 
His daughter Bathsheba was married to Uriah as a young woman. Uriah, a Hittite, was an officer in David's army. In fact, he is also listed as one of the 37 top-ranking heroes, one of David's mighty men, as seen in 2 Samuel 23:39. Perhaps, as one of the mighty men, Uriah met Eliam's daughter Bathsheba in a gathering and asked for her hand in marriage. In any event, Uriah was an important man. The fact that Uriah had a house in Jerusalem very near King David's palace, suggests that when the Israelites were not at war, Uriah's peacetime job may have been as one of the palace guards, or even one of David's personal bodyguards. It was the proximity of Uriah's house that, unfortunately, made it possible for David to be tempted when he looked down into their courtyard while Bathsheba was bathing. Let's turn to 2 Samuel 11, verse 1, and begin our story. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. Let's review what the Bible says. 2 Samuel 11.1 says that it was the spring at the time when kings go off to war. David should have been with his troops, but for some reason he stayed home. During the evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. It was nighttime and Bathsheba was at her own home. She had every reason to expect privacy. It is not clear exactly where her bath was. Some artists portray her as on the roof of her home. But why would a bathing tub be on a roof? Who would haul the heavy water jars up there? And anyway, Bible historians tell us that bathing took place in people's courtyards. It is more likely that Bathsheba was in an enclosed courtyard. It was the family's private space. Bathsheba wasn't expecting any visitors, let alone a peeping Tom. Look at verse 2. David saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David could have looked away and respected Bathsheba's privacy. Not only did he not turn away, he decided to proceed to get her for himself. So David sent someone to find out about her. Even if David had not looked away, but indulged his lust by watching Bathsheba, he still could have turned and gone back to bed and forgotten about the whole thing. Instead, he took steps to get Bathsheba. David sent messengers to get Bathsheba, 
When David's men told him that Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah, he would have known that Uriah, one of his chief men, remember, was away at the battle. He knew that Bathsheba was alone and helpless. Bathsheba could not refuse the king, and David knew it. At this point, David could still have let the matter drop, but he didn't. When Bathsheba came, David lay with her. The Bible is clear. David lay with Bathsheba. He is the one in power who controlled the situation from first to last. Later, God would make this clear through Nathan the prophet. Bathsheba soon found that she was pregnant. This was a terrible situation for her. She told King David about her predicament. David decided to deal with it by getting Uriah home as quickly as possible. David thought that Uriah would naturally sleep with his wife upon returning home. Then the child would be presumed to be Uriah's. But Uriah was a dedicated, disciplined soldier and refused the comforts of home while the other soldiers were staying in temporary shelters. Even Joab was camping in the open field. We read Uriah's response in 2 Samuel 11.11. The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will do no such thing. David tried several times to get Uriah to go home, but Uriah would not obey. David then tried desperately to cover his sin. He sent a letter to his general Joab in the hands of Uriah himself to put Uriah in the fiercest place of a battle, knowing Uriah would be killed. David added murder to adultery. David went far to cover up his sin. He had one of his best men killed. He involved his general Joab in participating with him in an unjust murder. Bathsheba mourned for her husband Uriah when she learned of his death. David had not only offended her physically, but now he also caused her to be a widow. Not only that, but the laws in Israel were plain. A woman found pregnant out of wedlock was to be put to death. So David had made her pregnant, then made her a widow, and then put her in danger of her life. How lonely and helpless Bathsheba must have felt. But when Bathsheba's time of mourning for her husband was over, David sent for her and married her. In the meantime, let's see how God dealt with David's sin. Turn to 2 Samuel 12.1 Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. In the following verses, we read the story that Nathan tells David. In the story, a rich man with many sheep takes one little lamb owned by a poor man. David gets the point. He had eight wives and many concubines and should not have taken Uriah's one wife. David understood what Nathan was telling him. He responded, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan told him that God had forgiven him since he repented. 
But sins have consequences, even if God has forgiven them. The child that was conceived by this sinful union died. Bathsheba must have mourned greatly over the death of her first child. David comforted Bathsheba after the death of this child. After they were married, David and Bathsheba had more children. David loved Bathsheba until the end of his life. God gave Bathsheba four sons, one of whom was the future king Solomon, which you can read in 1 Chronicles 3.5. Bathsheba must have forgiven David at some point, although it is not mentioned in the scriptures. It probably meant a lot to Bathsheba when David repented publicly. This exonerated her. As a child of God, she would have known that repentance and forgiveness are important. And as a godly wife, it was important to her that her husband be right with God. Bathsheba could love, honor, and respect a man who turned from his sin and did what was right. This is not the end of our story. God had more in store for Bathsheba. Now, turn to 1 Kings 1.5. Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with fifty men to run ahead of him. The years had rolled by, and when David was really old and close to death, one of his sons decided not to wait for him to die, but to have himself declared king. Adonijah, the son of Haggith, one of David's other wives, called together all of his other brothers, except Solomon, and threw a celebration. Nathan the prophet, who was not invited to the party either, went to Bathsheba and told her to hurry to the king before it was too late. Nathan honored Bathsheba by going to her as the one who would be able to talk to the king and inform him about what was happening and ask the king for help. Look at verse 15. So Bathsheba went to see the aged king in his room where Abishag the Shunammite was attending him. Bathsheba bowed down, prostrating herself before the king. What is it you want? the king asked. She said to him, My lord, you yourself swore to me, your servant, by the Lord your God, Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne. But now Adonijah has become king, and you, my lord the king, do not know about it. He has sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep, and has invited all the king's sons, Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army. But he has not invited Solomon your servant. My lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to learn from you who will sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise, as soon as my lord the king is laid to rest with his ancestors, I and my son Solomon will be treated as criminals. While she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet arrived, and the king was told, Nathan the prophet is here. So he went before the king and bowed with his face to the ground. Nathan said, Have you, my lord the king, declared that Adonijah shall be king after you, and that he will sit on your throne? 
Today he has gone down and sacrificed great numbers of cattle, fattened calves and sheep. He has invited all the king's sons, the commanders of the army, and Abiathar the priest. Right now they are eating and drinking with him and saying, Long live King Adonijah! But me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, he did not invite. Is this something my lord the king has done without letting his servants know who should sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Then King David said, Call in Bathsheba. So she came into the king's presence and stood before him. The king then took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, I will surely carry out this very day what I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he will sit on my throne in my place. David assured Bathsheba that Solomon was his choice, and God's, to inherit the throne. David gave orders for Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet to anoint Solomon as king and have him sit on David's throne immediately. The people watched as Solomon was anointed. Trumpets blew, and the people proclaimed, Long live King Solomon! Adonijah and his followers fled. Solomon showed Adonijah mercy and let him return home. Solomon was safely on the throne now. Adonijah, unfortunately, would not learn his lesson. More about that in a moment. Bathsheba had acted wisely and courageously when her son Solomon was threatened. It seemed that all of Israel was following Adonijah. She and Nathan were alone in approaching David. Yet Bathsheba relied on God's promise and David's faithfulness that her son would be the next king. David respected his intelligent, resourceful wife and acted upon her request immediately. Bathsheba's son was promptly made king. Bathsheba was a wise woman. But in the last story we read of her in the Bible, we see her acting in a rather puzzling way. It has to do with her stepson, Adonijah. Turn to 1 Kings 2.13 and follow along. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, went to Bathsheba, Solomon's mother. Bathsheba asked him, Do you come peacefully? He answered, Yes, peacefully. Adonijah approached Bathsheba and asked her to get Solomon to give him David's concubine, Abishag. Though David had not cohabited with Abishag, she was still considered a concubine. Though Adonijah tried to make his request seem like a small thing to Bathsheba, he really still wanted to be king. He believed that it was his right as the older brother, and he thought of a way to usurp Solomon's rule. In those days, a new ruler would often take the wives of the previous king to prove that he was now the reigning king. Either Bathsheba was fooled by Adonijah, or perhaps she just had a very tender heart. It is difficult to see why she would even think that Solomon would grant Adonijah's wicked request. Perhaps she really hoped that Adonijah meant the best. After all, when he greeted her, he assured her that he had come peacefully. 
Others have suggested that Bathsheba was wise enough to know that Adonijah had not repented and would always be a threat to her son Solomon. Perhaps Bathsheba took Adonijah's request to Solomon so that Solomon would have an excuse to remove this rival and consolidate his throne. I guess we'll have to wait until we get to heaven to know for sure. I believe that Bathsheba was a kind and forgiving woman, and she had already shown much courage in getting her son on the throne. King Solomon loved and respected his mother, and he welcomed her visits. So Bathsheba went to see Solomon with the request from Adonijah, which you can read in 1 Kings 2, verses 13 through 25. Whether or not Bathsheba knew what Adonijah was really asking, Solomon did. The king sent one of his men to execute Adonijah immediately. Again, Bathsheba was exonerated before all of Israel. Not only that, but Solomon showed his respect for Bathsheba when she came to him with this request. We read in 1 Kings 2.19, When Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah, the king stood up to meet her, bowed down to her, and sat down on his throne. He had a throne brought for the king's mother, and she sat down at his right hand. Solomon showed great respect and honor for his mother when he set a throne for her on his right side, as you can see in 1 Kings 2.19. Bathsheba was ruling as the queen mother. But wait, there is still more about Bathsheba. Solomon loved and respected his mother Bathsheba. Some commentators believe that the excellent woman of Proverbs 31, written by Solomon, was modeled on Bathsheba. The worthy woman in Proverbs 31 is a trusted companion and a devoted mother. Bathsheba fits the description of the honored and noble woman whose children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We find Bathsheba in one more place in the Bible that is often overlooked. In the Song of Solomon, the Shulamite bride praises her husband as they prepare for their wedding day. Turn to Song of Solomon 3.11, where the Shulamite woman says, Come out and look, you daughters of Zion. Look on King Solomon wearing a crown, the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, the day his heart rejoiced. Who else can this mother be but Bathsheba? And here we see her as the queen mother crowning her son on his wedding day. Bathsheba's story reminds us of the kindness and mercy of God who blesses us in our lives. Even though there may be tragic consequences to our actions, God will forgive when we truly repent and turn to Him for comfort and restoration. Maybe we won't be raised to the height of a queen as Bathsheba was. It will be wonderful that God will raise us from the depths of sorrow or depression to the heights of joy and fellowship with Him. The story of Bathsheba is the eighth of our lessons about the female ancestors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us next time when we continue with our ninth and last story, 
the story of Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. We value your input. Be sure to share your thoughts with us by commenting on the podcast. Also, invite your friends to listen in as well by sharing this podcast on social media.